Welcome to the Unearthed Man Podcast, the journey of becoming a conscious man, hosted by Milva. Hey all, Milva here, and welcome to episode 21 of the Unearthed Man Podcast. A big shout out to Mike Ellis from last week's episode. I loved having a chat with Mikey, giving he was calm and he had this beautiful, relaxed manner and as uh, we know from Mikey, he just loves storytelling and he is a storytelling himself. So definitely go and check out what Mikey's actually doing and jump over there. As you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook and Instagram. So if you're looking for where we are or on any of the uh, podcast site, jump in and find the Unearthed Man. So on to today's episode. My guest today sums himself up very simply. He is a proud father, student, creator, storyteller. Since he was a little boy, he dreamt of his perfect day, and now he gets to capture everyone's special day. Born and raised in New Zealand, and with over six years of experience in taking photos and making films, he fell in love with love and capturing emotion. This is the thing that really lights his fire, to capture and create impactful film and photos that the viewer feels that's a gift in itself. He has just recently launched his company, Impact Media. Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, Jay Godfrey. Hey, Thank you, bro. What, wow, what a cool bio. I was like, man, that sounds cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. That's right. And I think that that perfectly sums you up. Um, as Joe and I were speaking before we got on to here, we, we've interacted probably via social media more than uh, face-to-face. This is my ch- first chance to have a chat with Jay. But uh, yeah, my impression of Jay is just one of the coolest guys that I've ever seen. Um, but I also love the fact that I've seen some amazing videos from Jay where, you know, if you want to see a man in all his vulnerability, opening up his heart and just being willing to put it out there, um, definitely go and check out Jay. Um, he's just one of the biggest hardest, uh, kindest men that I've also met. So thanks for coming on Jay. I really, really appreciate it. man. <laughs> oh man, that, that got me going already. That's <laughs> right. That's beautiful. Thank you to be acknowledged for that vulnerability that's really cool yeah and look i'll say to me that inspires me so you know um and we'll probably talk a bit about your journey and, and where we got to but i think as men we struggle with people who can inspire us about vulnerability we talk about it a lot and it's an easy word to say but where people truly put themselves out there and you can see a man you know um, expressing his pain, there are tears, and it's true. Mm. Um, I think that just you know that's that's what for me a leader is all about. You know, you're a leader of men, and you're a leader of um, what I feel is the next generation of men coming through. So, um, man, all I can say is thank you, and uh, just keep doing it. I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> um, just real quickly on that is, uh, like I. I'm 35 now. For 32 years, I suppressed that. Well, probably not 32, maybe up until about seven, maybe. Um, from around seven, I started to really, I guess, suppress uh, this person that I am because, yep. you know, like you said, men struggle with vulnerability and we want to be tough and, you know, we want to be respected and to get respect, you must be tough. Um that's what we believe, a lot of us. And so mm. I suppressed my my truest self um, for from seven to say thirty two, you know. And yeah, 
yeah, the last three years of discovering self and healing trauma and bringing that up enabling me to actually drop into being who I am is like freedom. Yeah. Just yeah. I, be me, you know, like I don't have to be tough. Like so good. And that in itself to me now is tough, you know, to just be who you are. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I absolutely love that because um, for all the men out there, as soon as you can strip away um, what everyone else thinks you need to be and you just learn to be mm-hmm. you. And and for me, you know, courage and strength is every single day going, I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to be the corporate guy, the, you know, the, the tradie guy, the photographer guy, the, the family guy, the, you know, whoever, whichever persona mm-hmm. we, we have to put in, depending on which ones we're talking to. If we can just say, this is me yeah. in, in all, in, in, in all my vulnerability. And the courage and strength to just keep going. I'm just going to love you anyway. I, I'm just going to love you. It's up to you whether you give that back, but you yeah. always have my love. Is something that again, men just really, really struggle to open up and say, "I just love life, and I love every man around." It. I mean, our interactions are, you know, lots of love you, bro. Thanks, bro. This is really cool, bro. And it's messaging, but it's deep and it's true yeah. because that's that's where we sit in those spaces now, which is wonderful. It's special, eh? Like it's I'm so grateful for where I am right now and in the, the whole life community, like all of it right now. So grateful because for so long I wasn't. And and yeah, the relationships I have with some of my my brothers, um, I say ear quote because not blood, but you know, yep. they are my brothers. Those conversations like the hugs, you know, like a, a real proper hug and hold that hug heart to heart. Man, it just feels so good. And to be able to say it and not fear judgment. Yeah. Like, it's, so it's amazing, cool. isn't it? it oh, yeah. Man, I, I, it really is. I started um, handing out hugs to people at work. And and I'm actually teaching them how to do the left hand hug, which 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 there's mm-hmm. when everyone goes in for a hug, they basically always go basically right chest to right chest. And yeah. what I do is basically, which is our natural tendency to turn our heart away from the other person because we want to turn around our most vulnerable parts. So our stomach and our heart turns away, but we think we're giving a hug. As soon as you go left to left, your hearts actually join directly mm-hmm. and your stomachs join in, and you're actually hugging in all your vulnerability but you actually can truly feel the love and you're not hiding from everything. So when everyone comes in for a hug, I go, no, no, she's a left-hand hug mm. and you go in there and, and it's a different sensation and it's, it's subtle, but it's, uh, I think it makes a huge difference. Somebody mentioned that to me probably two months ago, um, Josh. Uh, can't remember his last name. Anyway, he, he pulled me up at Burley one morning. I went to hug him and he goes, no, no left hug and I was like oh yeah what's that about and he told me that and I thought man that's really cool that's really cool yeah yeah because you actually end up with a connection and it's, it's yeah ever since I picked up on that as well that's yeah definitely what I do I mean even then you fall into the, the right hand hug but if I if I'm really aware then yeah you mm. move into that space and it's, it's really nice well, let's take a step back um so you're of um so Islander background, clearly I don't know if it's Maori or Samoan or what their background is in New Zealand. Um, so what was life 
growing up, you know, we hear, particularly in Australia, a lot about, you know, what, how tough life can be, mm. you know, having an Islander background, you know, with cultures and everything else yeah. um, is, and you talked about suppressing from about the age of seven onwards. Was that part of, there was a persona and there was a level of toughness you had to do. Was that just because of your community? Was it cultural? Where do, where do you feel that came from? Um, so I, I didn't actually grow up around much of, so yeah, I am Māori. I was raised by my mum. She's Pakia, which is um, Caucasian. And okay. I was raised by mum on her own. Mum and my yep. mum raised myself and my two sisters. And we, we I actually didn't grow up really around much of my culture, which ironically enough, in the last three years, I discovered was a big part of my sense of not belonging because mm. I look... I, I'm, I don't look Caucasian and I don't look really dark skin. Um, we, I went to a lot of uh, majority, um, how do I say that? It felt sounding racist. Like uh, uh, Caucasian. White schools. Yeah, yeah, Caucasian white, white yeah. schools. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, majority. yeah that's cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah, there, was, yep. there, was, <laughs> there was some... Um, there were some Maldives at my school, but not many. Like out of a hundred kids, maybe probably six or seven of us, maybe. Um, yep. So I grew up in a very, you know, white rural farms, uh, rural rural area, dairy farms, that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was weird. I never really felt like I fitted in. Which a bigger part to that was not having a dad either. So yeah, okay. yeah. So my birth father, he he was Maori. Um, he wasn't ready for a kid when Mum got pregnant, so he chose not to be a part of that, which is cool. Um, he passed away when I was two, and right. then Mum married another guy who adopted me, and then had twins with my mum. So that that to me was dad. Um, but then he he betrayed our family's trust um, by by sexually assaulting within our family, um, right. which you know I was six or seven when he went to jail for that. Um, my sisters were a couple of years younger than me, so they were around five. So by seven, I had a dad that didn't want anything to do with me, you know, and. Like I know better than that now, but subconsciously I may have thought that then. And then another man who came in and did what he did to our family and then went to jail. So I already felt like this sense of not belonging. Yeah. And then yeah. And then to look a little bit different to my mum, because my mum, she's beautiful. She's um short. I was gonna say a number, but I don't really know. She's short, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, but I actually don't know if Mum's eyes are blue. I'm sure, Mum. <laughs> I'm sure Mum's eyes are blue. Anyway, she's fair. Yep. She's you know, little white lady, and people would always be like, "Oh, that's your mum." And then when they would mm. meet my dad, who was out of jail at this stage, but still, Mum and Dad were separated. They would meet him. He was a tall, skinny white guy, and they're like, "What the heck?" And I'm like, "Yeah, there's a story," you know, like. 
and a lot of people didn't even know that I had sisters um, at school. I'm like, yeah, my twin sisters. Mm. What, you got sisters? Yeah, them. And they were clearly a lot fairer than I was. So there was a lot going on by seven, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's tough. I, I could imagine so, that, would be, that would be tough at that age. Yeah, I didn't really know it back then, and it's only through doing work and bringing this stuff up that, oh, man, so that's why. So for pretty much all my life, I've, I've always tried to belong to a yeah. thing or a group or a, I've always tried to be something that I wasn't necessarily truly myself to fit in. Um, yeah. I got bullied a fair bit at school. And then when I went to college, nothing much changed. I was still bullied a little bit. And then I started to become a funny guy. And actually, yeah, in a sense, I guess I became a bully because never physical, but my, my bullying was jokes. So I was the funny guy, made fun of people. Yeah. Then I was popular. So then I did that more. And then I started to play up at school more and like not try because not trying was cool. And then started, yes. yeah, started skateboarding and then became the skater guy at school and was doing all these things. And then that played out pretty much throughout my whole life, like always trying to fit in. Yeah. Which ironically enough, I believe is what most of this became. Yeah, so uh, so Jay's just sort of done a visual, um, and we'll get to the fact that Jay Jay's a fully tattooed man. Um, I'm not sure we can get into what percent, but yeah, my, my guess is it's probably in the eighty to eighty five percent of the body um, tattooed. Is that roughly? Just, yeah, so just my armpits are not done. My armpits and my right leg. That's pretty much it. So pretty yeah. Yeah, and the uh, front of your face. I mean, the, the back of your head and the top of your head and all that's done as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so the front of my face isn't, but half my forehead, sideburns, neck, throat, back, chest, yeah. both arms. Yeah, yeah. A lot of hours. Yeah, it's an in- yeah that definitely. Uh, and we're definitely going to get onto the topic of the tattoos, um, that's for sure. I just want to just double back a little bit so that there is the thing about, you know, um, any attention is good attention. <laughs> so I can see how when when you when you're growing up, that we ought, we ought look at the you know the goody goodies or the the baddies or the people that play up or you know all these different kids as we grow up and we all play these different roles. Um, but ultimately, the role is about how do I go about playing a role that for me can get me the most attention in amongst a group of twenty or thirty in my class who are all trying to do the exact same thing. So what what role do I play that at least gives me some attention, which is different to you know the the academic or the you know or or whatever it happens to be in that one? So it sounds like that's as you just described. You you went into hey I'm the funny guy, I'm the skater guy, I'm the you know I'm doing these other things because that was a niche that allowed you to have a level of attention that potentially others weren't getting in that space. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um- Something you just said then triggered a bit of a realisation about um, academic. You said academic. And I realised in that moment that you said that, that I probably was afraid to be vulnerable way back then because I never tried at school 
because I wasn't a great learner at school. I didn't learn their way very well when it came to maths or science. English was pretty good. I was always pretty good at English. But I think what it really was was vulnerability. Like I was afraid to look stupid for having a go. Mm. And that's actually played out in my whole life too. Okay. I, I yeah, very, well, that... yeah, very rarely will give everything 100%, all my relationships. I never went two feet in. I was always sort of seeing what the other one was doing. or mm, So afraid to be completely vulnerable, probably tied to my childhood, one to seven. Mm, interesting. There you go. Nice little drop in into this session. But, uh, yeah, I find all of these conversations I have um, – the one thing I, I love doing every week is that I get to have an hour conversation with beautiful men. And for me, it's as, it's as much as uh, it's just this deep awareness conversation. It's not the conversation about, you know, just down the pub talking about the football or the rugby or, or something else. It's actually, uh, yeah. you know, people are willing to actually have an open conversation and then, yeah, little things drop in, like th- things drop in for me all the time. Um, like I'll give you an example from last week. Uh, you know, had the conversation with Mikey Ellis, um, which I think you did bridge with um, up in yeah. Brisbane last year. Yeah, yeah. And um, I realised off the back of that, which is, again, am I using – what if I actually rang up 20 guys and said, would you actually just get on the phone call with me for an hour and just have a conversation? No podcast, mm-hmm. no nothing up. Would you just get on and have a chat? And most guys go, uh, no, nah, mate, I'm busy. But if I go, would you like to come on my podcast and let's have a conversation about our lives and how we're traveling for now, guys are going, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So it's, again, how much, where's that I dropped into me about where's my vulnerability and how much am I willing to just put myself out there to ask a guy, would you have a chat? Or how much am I now using the podcast? And I love the podcast because everyone gets to hear these conversations, right? And I think it's a, it's a good platform for it. But, yeah, outside of that, I don't ring up a guy and say, hey, you just want to chat for an hour? Yeah. Let's talk some deep, vulnerable stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, bro, what are you up to? Oh, not much. So, like, any trauma lately? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, what's dropped in for you lately? Um, so, so basically, yeah, you've talked through a bit of stuff, you know, in your life and you said that you got to about three years ago, so about 32. So, you know, what's continued to happen with you? I mean, you, you work in the mines. The mines can be pretty tough environments so there's obviously a level of you know persona that you have to put into that space as well so you know what what else has sort of happened along this journey for you that's um you know sort of finally led up to that three years ago when you're like hang on there's got to be something more to this and a way to actually you know you can drop all this stuff and just drop into being me yeah well i'll land the plane um i have known for a long long time probably since i was about 1820 that my behavior wasn't uh, the best, um, that I had a lot of ineffective behaviors. I was not real good with drinking, loved it. I actually was probably really good at drinking. Um, <laughs> I would just love to party. Um, yep. I, you know, go out for a few beers, come home the next day, sort of thing. And I, most of the time I'd be okay, but then every now and then just complete write-off, like make absolute fool of myself, 
have a go at people. Like I'm not a fighter, so I've never had a fight in my life, which amazes some people because of how I look. Um, mm-hmm. For those that can't see, six foot tall, 100 kilo, covered in tattoos. So when I say that to people now, they're like, what? You've never punched anyone? Like how? How is this a thing? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just it's never been in me. Um, mm. So I've known for a long time that I've had a lot of these ineffective behaviors and I always wanted to change. But again, going back to being vulnerable, I was not okay with it. So I knew I had to make some changes. I didn't know how to, and I was held back by not feeling safe to be vulnerable and go and ask for help or speak to a psychologist or even speak to my partners. Like I could never speak to them. Usually what it would take for me to open up a little bit was they say they're going to leave. Um, and then I'll say, no, 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 I'm sorry. Like I'll change. Like, please like don't leave. But then yep. when they would say, okay, I won't leave, then I'd treat them like shit again. So yeah, it was the, it's been the weirdest journey, man. So the actual tipping point for me diving into this healing was when my wife left um, coming up three years ago now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It was the thing because I felt like, okay, well, what have you got to lose now? Like, yeah. Yeah. We just, we just had our daughter. So, yeah. Son and daughter just had our daughter. I think Frankie was six months old when um, court decided to leave. And like, I was working away in WA and I was, I've, I've never really felt so alone those nights that I went back to my little room like this um, thinking like she's left like wow and just crying for days man I just cried and cried yeah, and cried right. yeah and I knew now's the time like you got nothing to lose now you got to change okay so so what did that then look like like who did you reach out to like where where did you go to i mean there's one thing saying i've got to change and then there's the next thing saying how do i find that safe environment how do i find that support network so so where 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 was that where did you lean into um good question and literally man literally like went from this i'm afraid to be vulnerable to right i'll try anything like I'll try meditation. I I think I went to socials and I was like, I'm not sleeping well, going through some stuff. Has anyone got some tips? And people were saying meditation and all these things. And I would try it for a day and go, that, that was stupid, didn't do anything. Like I'm still sad, yeah. you know, like <laughs> typical me, I wanted to fix yesterday. Like just stop crying. Like stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so that, that took me on, Acknowledgement to myself because I actually really did jump into this and was like, okay, like, help me. I'm here. Like, help me. Went to a psychologist. Um, yep. Actually went to a crystal healer. She was in Karatha, which was about three hours away from mm. where I was. And that was really cool. That was completely new to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Crystal healer. Yeah. That was really profound experience because it was so new to me. I sort of grew up around a little bit of that sort of stuff. Mum was always a, a bit um, gypsy-ish, you know, hippie-ish. Yes. Yeah, she had yeah, a yeah. mate. Her name was Gay, Gay Hunter. She used to do like tarot cards and that sort of stuff. So 
I was always always sort of saw it, but never, never yeah, yeah, experienced it. So that was very cool. And then the psychologist, that was quite funny because I went there and she said, all right, mate, like what brings you in? I said, oh, I just, just come here to get my wife back. And she, she laughed. And I was like, what's, <laughs> you know, what's funny? Like, That's what I'm here for. She was like, okay, cool. Well, well, let me ask you some questions. Basically, she said, you've come for the wrong reasons. Like you can't get your wife back. And I was like, well, then you're not doing your job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> deflection, like put, put the blame on her. Yeah. Well, it's kind of your fault. Um, you know, she, that first session was basically her just saying like, you just, let's try and reframe why you're here. Maybe look at trying to be a better person. Why did your wife leave? I said, oh, cause I'm a dick. Cause I control him, manipulative, all these things. She goes, okay, cool. Well, thanks for your honesty. Um, maybe let's try working on changing the things that your wife left you for to things that your wife might like and then she might want to come back to you. I was like, yep. interesting. So <laughs> she said go away, um, write a list of the perfect person that you want to be, like write down all this stuff that you want to see yourself as. And then write down all the things that you think you are right now. And that was out of it because I'd never done anything like that. So I went away. I wrote, you know, trustworthy. I want to be reliable, all these things. And then I wrote down what I was. And I was like, wow, complete polar opposites. So I was not being like, in my eyes, a good person, a good man that I wanted to be. And I took that list back to her and she said, cool easy and i was like oh yeah she goes yep start doing that and i was like what the fuck it's just it's a waste of time you know um and she, i said well, what just start being honest and she said pretty much pretty much she said i bet if you if you're being so untruthful like on a big scale if you look at how you do everything I guarantee you, you'll be telling little white lies everywhere. You'll be fibbing everywhere. I thought, man, I actually do. I know I do. I exaggerate things. Like if I win $17, I won $20. Um, yeah. Everything was always – and she was like, yeah, they're, they're little lies. They might seem little and harmless, but how you do anything is how you do everything. So she basically told me to start just doing all this stuff. Be honest. Be reliable. Be a man of your word. Um. Yeah, and then that's when it really started to get, I guess, great, but also really uncomfortable. Yeah, yes, <laughs> because there's, uh, what, 25 years of conditioning built up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I did a, um, a just a post the other day, which is to become a master it takes 10,000 years of pra- 10,000 hours of practice. So, if, and I calculated between the age of four and 18 that we, we would have done 70,000 hours. So you've been a master seven times. So in that period of time, you've mastered this world that's not you. And now you've got to go to this other world that is mm-hmm. you. No wonder it's so hard for us to 
transition across. Yeah. You know, if you think that that mastery is 10,000 hours and you've been doing this bullshit life, you know, not to have a crack, but, you know, this makeup bullshit life that we thought we had to have. And now we're trying to go, well, how do I unravel all of this stuff that created me? And and, and that's why it's hard, like, because, you know, it's like undoing a mastery. <laughs> yeah, I've never looked at it in that depth, you know. When you, when you say it like that, far it's it's a no wonder we have our stories, and we're so good at justifying them because, yeah, that's like that's solidified. Wow. We've practiced it all our life. We, we've yeah. practiced this this story of how we do anything is how we do everything. That's what we've practiced. We we spend our life creating this, and then someone switches a light bulb and goes, "What are you doing? But like, is that really you?" And you go, "Fuck, that's not me." You mean I got to unravel all that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Tears, upset, you know, and all these things start to come along with it because it's, it is tough. And that's where you have the brotherhood that can help in to give you that safety zone mm. to, to, if you like, break apart and rebuild again. Yeah. The I'm glad you mentioned the brotherhood. I'll go there real quick. Um, yeah, that, definitely. Yeah, that was the thing. So like, yep, wife left. I wanted to do all this healing. Still pretty lost, um, not real, you know, still being dishonest, still making out, putting masks on, making out I was doing okay and all that. And then, and then I met Wa um, on Instagram, actually, and then started hanging out with Wa. Hanging out with him was, was so profound to me because here's this dude, 6'3", 105 kilos, like shredded, like absolute beast. And then mm. when I first started hanging out with him, we were sitting down after our little training sessions and that with, with other people that he was training. And we were talking about, um, you know, what does love mean to you? The f- there was the second time I hung out with him, we, we did that. He sat us down and we had a chat. He goes, all right, I want to talk about some mental health stuff today. Um, and the topic is love. What does love mean to you? And I was like, what the heck? Like, I come to train, man. What is this? You know, but I thought it was really cool because I, I had not experienced this before, and there were people there, you know, getting emotional, and I didn't even know what love was to me. I was like, oh, you know, love's like, like you know, with your mum, like you love your mum, but I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know what it was. So yeah, that was really profound, Um, and. Fast forward about probably a year, there was a moment where Wa gave me permission to be my absolute most genuine, authentic, vulnerable self by him showcasing vulnerability in its most powerful form, being vulnerable in front of 20 other men. Uh, it was the first ever men's medicine walk. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And Wa, Wa opened up in front of the group and shared something that just like crumbled me, crumbled us all, you know, like, cause he's one of the toughest dudes that we all knew. So for this dude to stand up there, just crying, owning his emotions and just saying all he ever wanted his whole life was for his dad to love him. Like, and he's, you know, he's crying, bro. And then all of us, there was like 18 of us standing there just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, 
in that moment, I was like, that like that is beautiful. And that is where I realized a lot of my stuff lay is I just always wanted to be loved. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I guess I never really felt that because I didn't love myself Mm. from, I would say one to seven, having the things that happened, biological father and then um, adopted father, you know, those sort of things probably cemented in me that I wasn't good enough or, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't lovable, you know? Yep. So, yeah, that day when Wad, you know, gave me permission to just be vulnerable, um, ah, that was, that was pivotal. Yeah. That was beautiful. Permission, like give permission. And now I'm so about giving permission. And that is why I choose to do the videos that I do. Like if I'm upset, I'll happily share that, you know, because me doing that gives others permission. Yeah, no, and and we spoke about it at the very start. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, I said for me you're a huge inspiration because – when I see those videos, you know, um, they're not made up. I've seen other people do it, right? And, you know, you can see they've sort of worked on the acting bit and they, they make some stuff up, but you, you're so genuine and it's just, you know, it is true, your emotion. And, yeah, you just continue to just provide permission to all those people around you. Um, I know you do similar um so you're now with Amend. So I know Wara and yourself have gone off and, you know, um, so Wara's got off and creating the Amend and I know you've got a lot to do with, with that. And for anyone who's looking for a beautiful group run by just beautiful men, and this is, and, and men look after both men and females, um, the, what I see on the Facebook groups, what I see, you know, on the videos, it's just the most beautiful, loving, open, sharing, and just providing permission. That's just, you know, I, you know, my, my intent is to get closer and closer with the men. I, I hang out with some of the men guys down here in Melbourne because the just the, the, the love and, the, and the, the compassion and yeah, the vulnerability and the sharing is just enormous. It's just beautiful. Mm. Um, the, those you know, amend men's medicine, like all all the groups. Um, it's just so cool that there is this now, you know, that there are these groups of people who it's literally a safe container where you can go there and level up. Yeah. You can go there and like open your box up, let it all out, learn tools. Like that's one of the biggest things that's just like propelled me into this journey is the tools that I've learned in the last two years through doing the work with men's medicine and then a man, man, like we learned so many tools. We saw a lot of our stories weren't so uncommon. So, you know, this guy had the exact same thing happen. This, this guy's got the same addiction. This, this lady has been severely hurt that, you know, like, man, and we all, 
We're all on the same boat. Yes. I guarantee you that yeah, there's a blueprint for everything that you're going to go through. There is a blueprint out there for someone who's done it, come through it, and succeeded afterwards, you know, like, yeah. But it's just the vulnerability thing, hey, and being afraid to share and fear of judgment. Yes, yeah, which, which um, I mean, one, one, as we spoke earlier, so there's two things I want to touch on as we sort of get to it. One, one is, you know, the, the tattoos because there is, as you said, there's perceptions around, you know, people with tattoos and, and everything else. Um, and, and then the second one is exactly what you're doing with impact media. I mean, for me, um, you know, I think doing videos and, and photography for others, there's, there's a lot of vulnerability that sits in that because there's pressure on getting it right and everything else, but you putting out your own stuff, it's like any form of art. It's there to be judged. Yeah. So, you know, so you've got, you know, for you there's um, beautiful skin artwork and that's how I, you know, the word to do I think sits in the word taboo. But, you know, for me it's just, you know, there's vulnerability in the fact you've got a lot of this beautiful artwork just on your skin, um, you know, and I, I think that in itself is an expression. Yeah of you know of who you are and, and where you're going and 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 what it looks like because obviously there's a lot of meaning that sits in a lot of that that, that that's taken place um on your body yeah. lots actually i'm i'm really grateful for having put so much thought into all of them because i mm. there's not many on me that don't have a lot of deep meaning uh, even even one, there were ones that I wanted to get a tattoo, like I wanted a certain tattoo. So I, I was like, yep, cool, I want that tattoo. How can that mean something to me? And then I would think of, a, of what it would mean to me or if I had a, a saying or a quote that I wanted to say, I would think, how would I visualise that? What does that look like? And then I would get that on me. So before that bit, um, I think a part of the reason why I got them was I left the Gold Coast 2010 um, and actually, my actual real name is Jeremy, Jeremy Godfrey. Okay. And I've, I've always thought that's such a strange name for me. Like, yeah. you know, like Jeremy, like I was like, man, mum, really? Like <laughs> I, I have mates with all these cool names and I get Jeremy. <laughs> Nothing against the Jeremys <laughs> out there, but like, yeah. give me something awesome punch mum come on so jeremy godfrey so i looked a little bit not puckier not quite molded and then i got called jeremy godfrey so it was this thing so when i left the gold coast and i came up here to Mackay, i i wanted to change my life um i wanted to get out of doing security i was working in surfers the valley um doing security i did love it at the start but then I grew to get annoyed with dealing with the people in their worst. Um, yep. So I sort of got a little bit over people. So I come up here to try to get into this mining gig, which I did. And then when I came up here, I sort of thought, well, no one knows me here. Like I, I can become anyone, right? So one guy at a job, he started calling me Jay, just the letter Jay. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's cool, Jay. Like, that's cool. And I just used, I actually had Facebook back then and I, my Facebook name became the letter J. That was my Facebook name, the letter J. <laughs> um, and then I, I thought, 
yeah, I'm going to actually just spell J-J-A-Y. And then that sort of stuck. And then that became who I was known as in Mackay was mm. Jay Godfrey. Um, around the same time, started getting covered in tattoos, started going to the gym, like I was getting big, um, tattooed, Jay Godfrey yep. now, like I was so cool. <laughs> and <laughs> But ironically, man, I started getting respect. As stupid as that sounds, people started to respect me and, and like I liked that because I'd always wanted to be respected and fit in and now I was like, highly respected i don't know why um i guess the look and people assumed things so i i actually know i let them assume things mm, they assumed yeah. that i was a bad dude and i was like i just let that go you know thinking to myself bro you've never even had a fight like what are you up to <laughs> but <laughs> i did like that so the yeah. tattoos all became a part of me trying to be something that i really wasn't in that moment. So I was trying to be something that I wasn't in that moment. And then letting people think those sort of things, I sort of started playing into that role. Bad guy, tough guy, um, and then started hanging out with some clubs and stuff, you know? So yeah, that was sort of very appealing to me because very different, I know, but I always went to Boy Scouts growing up. very different but sort of the same you know i was always drawn to these groups of men and then there was now this group of men who i was very drawn to probably because how cool it would make me look um and if it wasn't for my wife i probably would have gone down that path um yeah she she basically said if that's the way you go i won't stay and i was like "Eh, you'll stay and she's like, I won't stay. So I didn't. I'm glad and grateful for that. But all the tattoos and that, that was a part of that journey, right, was being the tough guy, mm. the the that going to hang out with that group of guys guy. And actually this here on the side of my face is a, a desert eagle. Yep. And I actually wanted a gun on the side of my head so that I would be tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so funny so i was thinking i'll just get a gun on the side of your head like you're off your head you've got to think of a way that you can make this meaningful so you don't just look like a hero so i did that on the top here i got half it's half virgin mary yes and then half saint holy death so saint holy death she looks after like the cartel and Yep. Those sort of dudes on, on their wrongdoings, I guess you'd say. And Virgin Mary sort of, you know, the good, the peace. So I got Virgin yep. Mary with a cross and rosary beads. And then I got mm-hmm. St. Holy Death with a gun and some chains. So good versus evil. So that's the theme. Yep. All of that so I could get a desert eagle on the side of my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it's a lot of work to go into that. It is. And I actually love it. Like I I love that I can actually tell that story. I don't even think I've told that story before, but to be able That's to a just, great story. To be able to just be like, this is why I do things. This is why I did things. I don't regret mm. any of them because they're all part of that journey. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the interesting thing is that I, I, I've got, you know, probably half a dozen odd tattoos as well. And, and over time when I've looked back on them, like the first one, like I, like I just saw it and I got called to it and I don't know why, but as I've gone through and I've learned more about me and I've understood me, it's like, yeah, now I know that meaning of that one. And now I know the meaning of that one. So I got called into these mm-hmm. ones. And and for me, it's like similar to that one on, on your head, as you're saying, there's it's, for me, there's always this constant battle that I've had between, um, you know, self-esteem, yeah. not feeling good enough, but feeling strong enough. There's always that internal battle between who, who people want me to be versus who I am, you know, good versus bad. And, and so those sorts of things, I think we just subconsciously play out all the time, yeah. you know? And, and so when we look back on them, it's like, so which, you know, for me that, there is just these men. Now people could argue that, you know, you want to apply whatever meaning you want to, but I don't, I don't believe that. I, I feel that, you know, when I look at my tattoos now, I go, yeah, I know exactly what that mm. is. And I know exactly why it's there. And I know exactly the role it's playing in my yeah. life. And I don't regret any of it at yeah. all. Um, which is funny because when I first got my first tattoo, I think it was 25 or something. <laughs> right. And, uh, I hid it from my mum and dad for 10 months, but I knew I was going to be down the beach with them. And I had to say to them one night, I said, oh, look, just to let you know, when I'm down the beach, you'll see a tattoo. And my mum's gone, you will do things you regret. <laughs> and I'm like, I never said I regretted it. I'm just telling you I've got it. Just a heads up. <laughs> FYI. Just a heads up. Yeah, no, this isn't me going, hey, look, I think I've done something silly. That's you thinking I've done yeah. something silly. But no, 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 no. I'm very happy with what I've yeah. got. <laughs> I... When I first got my, I got a little tiny little one on my left shoulder when I was young and I wasn't, I was sweet with mum knowing that um, dad actually paid for it for my birthday, 17th, I think, birthday, um, maybe 18, I think I was 17, but my nana, so I always highly respected my nana. Um, looking back, it didn't appear that I respected mum very much and like mum and I have spoken about that and there's still conversations to be had around that because I, I, I'm starting to see the picture a bit better now. But, yeah, so yeah. always respected Nana um, and I was petrified to tell Nana and show Nana. And we went around there one day and mum said, oh, show Nana what you got for your birthday. And I was like, like what? Why would you do this? Like, <laughs> And she's like, oh, what did you get, Jeremy? I was like, oh, 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 I got a tattoo, Nana. Man, she was so disappointed, eh? She, yeah. she just shook her head. She looked at it and she goes, oh, Jeremy. And then as I got older, I started getting more and more and more. And then when I came to Oz, obviously, I got a lot more. Moved over here when I was 20. And then it was quite cool because I saw a shift in Nana. She realized I was still the same Jeremy, you know, but I was getting all this art on me and, and like, Yep. It's all really good art. I always chose really good artists. Um, Mel Keach, local tattooist in Mackay, Tenille Napoli with my okay. back. Um, amazing artists. And I would go home and Nana would say, oh, like what, what new tattoos have you got now? And I'm like, oh, well, I've got this one, Nana. She goes, oh, well, that's neat, isn't it? And I'm, I'd like tell her the story. And Yeah. I, I don't remember the conversation about the gun one, but maybe she hasn't seen that yet. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know how cool she'll be. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, my my parents 
they, they lay down three or four things that we should never do when we grew up, you know, um, don't get your ear pierced, don't get your hair dyed, uh, don't have sex before marriage, don't have a baby before marriage and don't get a tattoo. Yeah. Um, as in one of my earlier podcasts, I've succeeded in all five. <laughs> Um, <laughs> successfully upset my parents in, in, in every single category. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and, and it's interesting. Like my dad, who passed away uh, a couple of years ago now, to the, never ever sat down and said, "Just, just talk me through why." Yeah, just, just was, just refused to to go into that space. And even my mum, like, even she, like, my dad would even make these snide comments. Yeah. You know, um, because my daughter's got tattoos as yeah. well. In fact, in fact, everyone in my family yeah. has. And so, but they would sort of like see me as the bad influence on my family. Yeah. And it was like, maybe if you just sat down and asked, like, don't judge, just inquire. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you the story. Yeah. And maybe you might go, yeah. And I'm not asking you to get one, but maybe you might go, wow, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool, eh? You know, like, <laughs> it's very funny. And I, on that, I sort of, I love my look now. One of the simple facts for the fact that I get to shock people. So, I do get judged by some, not like some you think would judge you that completely don't. Um, a lot of mm. old ladies don't seem to judge. I think they must pick up on my energy and not judge. But for ones who do judge, it's usually border security, um, yep. police, like all your typical ones. And I understand that that's they deal with people that look like me all the time. So... They're going to see me and go, oh, there's another one. Let's go get him. So it's cool because I get to really shock them, have a chat with them, and I get to connect with them. And I do it like a lot of the time to shock them too, you know, like okay, to walk away for them to walk away and say, you're actually a real good dude. Like thanks for the chat. I'm like, you know. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Now I – um, I know we're sitting around over time over here, but I think there's a story when you did the bridge experience because my wife did bridge experience with you, Jackie. And yeah. I think you had to go out and you actually deliberately grabbed an old lady in the street. And Jackie told me a version of the story, and I don't know whether you remember it, but I think she turned the tables on you about. Yes. I think you, 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 yes. Do you want to, can you remember that? And can you talk through that? Because I think that flipped some things around for you a little bit from memory. Yes. Wow, man, I'd completely forgotten about that. Thank you. So we were given a task, and our task was we were given an item, and we had to return from lunch. I might get some of this a little bit wrong, but close to. We had to return with something 10 times worth the value of the item. Yep. So, you know, we were going out, and we're thinking, what can we swap it for? What can we, what you know, what can we... um putting the money value on it and then we shifted really quick it was just me and my partner like the the bridge partner Mm. and we shifted it to what's more valuable than money like connection conversation so we flipped it and we're like okay let's go and have a conversation with someone in exchange for the paperclip but we had to make it valuable not just like hey like so I can't remember the exact topic, but I wanted to pick someone that I thought would judge me and then go and have a conversation with them and actually ask them if they would give their first impression on me approaching them. 
Okay. So I wanted to pick someone that I thought would judge me and to ask them an uncomfortable conversation, like ask them a difficult question. So I was looking around, we're having lunch, and then boom, I seen these four four ladies, uh, four white ladies. The one that I spotted, she looked she looked really like she looked quite wealthy. She had a lot of yeah. gold. Um, she had a nice white top on. And I was like, oh, there she is, you know, like rich old white lady, sweet. Like surely she's going to have her opinion on me or something. So I went over, spun a bit of a yarn, and I said um, I sold it to them that if, if they could do me a big favour of writing down on this piece of paper their first initial impressions of me that I would give them this paperclip, this awesome paperclip. And they were like, and we couldn't tell them what we were doing. So they were like, okay. Um, and then the lady said, why us? And I said, oh, just, you know, like I didn't actually want to say that I had actually judged her. Mm. And I was like, oh, um, and she said, why us? So I thought, I'll just tell her. So I was really uncomfortable in saying it, but I said, well, actually, I was looking for someone that I thought would be quite judgmental, and I saw you and I judged you. You look very well off. Actually, sorry, this is after she gave the opinion. This is after okay. she gave the opinion. So she actually asked after... So why did you pick us? And then I had that uncomfortable conversation. And, yeah, that whole thing turned into, like, a profound thing where she didn't judge me at all. It turns out I had judged her more than she had me. She was yeah. not well off. She was not rich. Like, she was just a lady going out for lunch with a couple of her girlfriends, and we all just ended up having this crazy conversation um and three out of the four trusted me on first impression mm. the fourth wasn't sure but yeah the th so three out of four trusted me which sort of shattered my belief that because of how i look people are going to not judge it uh trust you because that's what i've believed for a yeah. long time but that was my story mm. and it's yeah it, that was really out of it um, experiment. Yeah, it's amazing that, isn't it? How much we preconceive and and we have all these ideas in the head, and reality can be com completely different purely because we decided to judge first. Yeah, and BS. Um, I call that belief systems. You know, an effective BS, an effective belief systems. So I believe that people judge me because of my look. So I maybe wouldn't go and ask that person for something or you know with my media stuff in the past i wouldn't go and sell myself to that person because oh they won't i like i don't think they would pay me to do it because of how i look or they don't want me at their wedding because you know like like i look like this but i realized people get the energy and the experience and the conversation and they a lot of the time don't even see this like it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Weird. 
It is. There's an there's an interesting thing which talks about energy, which is, and and I've seen this like talked about from interviews and those sorts of things. It's people are successful in interviews because of the energy connection that ends up taking place, not necessarily what you say or how you go about it. So yeah. if you walk in with a certain energy, people can actually feel um, put off. But if you go in with the right energy and it's actually genuine energy, then that's yeah. what will attract people first. The rest of it is just some peripheral stuff or things that, that go on around it. So it, it, yeah. you're right on that. The people, you know, and the people who are, you know, and let's get on to impact media because it's something that you're now set up and running with um, as your new venture. Um, people are, you know, attracted to you because of I think the exactly what you're talking about. You bring this open, vulnerable, pure love energy mm-hmm. to the table. Um and, and I think people would get that through the com you know the conversations in in hiring you to come on board. Yeah. It's it really is so yeah, impact media sort of happened well it happened in the in the midst of COVID. Um I wanted to I, I knew the type of content that I wanted to create, which was the real emotion like films. So a film that you'll feel, a photo that you feel, like you look at it and you feel joy or you feel sadness or like literally delivering the emotion. So I started Impact Media on on that. Um, I had Jay Godfrey Media was uh, a business of mine and we do weddings business as well. Um, as a sole trader and then sort of started the company not knowing really what I was doing. Like I was literally out here um, on my lunch, like trying to do stuff on my phone and next thing I'd registered a company and this accountant that I was talking to was like, okay, cool. So send me through what you want, Jay, and I'll I'll sort it all out. And I was like, oh, I've got this thing. He's like, you've got a company? And I was like, oh, yeah, like – I think maybe I do, yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it all just sort of fell into place. And then yeah, I was really blessed to actually come back out to this fly and fly out work through COVID because it A, it gave me money because I was dead set almost bankrupt. Um so when I came out here in May, that was a blessing. It was like money yeah. in the bank. It was also time for me to process things and think okay what, what do you even want like what is it that you want and then i realized well mm. i want to create impactful content that gives permission that was the yeah. real big thing for me is that i wanted to what well, i had been given by wa on that day i know i have the ability to do through the films that i make and yep. the storytelling ability that I have and capturing emotion and people's stories and delivering that to the world. And I literally wanted to reach millions of people. And I thought, well, I can't just, you know, I've got a couple thousand Instagram followers. I'm not going to reach the reach that I want. So I thought I need to think bigger, 10x. I need. I want to make films. Like I, that's what I want to do, and that's a way that I can reach millions. So, Impact Media. Mm. The intention was to create short films telling people's stories who have been through adversity, um, the tools yep. that they learned along the way, and how they used all of it, including the adversity, to play out in their success. 
So, yeah, short films, worth little highlight reels, um, really engaging content, and then like like you're doing podcasts. So I would podcast interview the person in the film, what did the film mean to them. That was the whole intention behind Impact Media, and that's what I'm moving towards now. So, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing as the content comes out the ball because I, I just know if, it, if it's coming out of your heart, then it'll come through the camera. It'll come through the videos without any problem at all. That's for me, that's a given. It's funny that you say that because that was, that actually became, I guess, sort of my tagline. Um, I really started creating this type of content when we began men's medicine and I was always introduced as uh the camera guy who shoots straight from the heart because I, I literally did like I wanted to about five years ago, I really wanted to get really good at filmmaking. So I was watching these YouTubers, Peter McKinnon, Jesse Driftwood, um, a lot of these sort of dudes, amazing storytellers. So I learned a lot from them. Mm. One of the big things was always take your camera with you like everywhere you go until you like know that thing blindfolded and you can change things like blindfolded take that with you film everything photo everything so i did that and ironically enough on that first men's medicine walk i took my camera not to film not to do photos just because i took it everywhere with me literally everywhere and ended up getting a little couple of snippets of footage of while doing haka while sharing with his dad you know, Lenore Primal screaming and just some stuff. And I threw it a little vid together and it just went boom. And like, yeah. I was like, man, I have an ability to capture emotion. And then, yeah, yeah, through those journeys, dived into that more. And now I've sort of realized, well, it doesn't have to just be men screaming in a mountain, you know, like I can capture emotion everywhere, weddings. Kids laughing, Ooh. all the things, you know, impactful yeah. content, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, so I, I think we're on the verge of probably wrapping up. I just want to double back around where you're at now with your kids, Courtney, you know, given the three years that you're now sort of, you know, um, I don't know, become you. Yeah. Um, where, 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 where's, where's that? Is there, a, is there a peace? Is there a, you know, a reconciliation and, you know, because I see a lot of content with you and your kids and there's a lot of happiness mm. and laughter and, and everything else. So are you, are you happy where you're at now? Man, I'm so happy. I'm yeah, so happy, really grateful. I'm actually, this is my life. I've got two days left out here um, in this work, in this industry, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done full-time impact media. So super excited about that. Um, Court and I are at, a really beautiful place. We still got work to do. Um, yeah. I get asked this a lot. What's happening with you in court? Like, I don't really know. What I do know is that we have an amazing friendship. Um, yeah. I, I love her with all my heart. I would love to be together again with her as a family, with our kids under one roof. Is that happening right now? No. Um, will it happen in the future? I'm not sure. I would love that to happen. Okay. I used to have a real big expectation, like I said at the start, went to the counsellor, need to get my wife back. It took almost two years to let go of that expectation. And now I believe I'm at a really good point where I'm just just enjoying what is. 
um, and we are amazing friends. And yeah, like still, there's so much love there. Like every single day, yeah. we say we love each other, and beautiful. You know, like that that love will always be there. Honestly, do I think we'll get back together? I believe we will. I believe we will. Yep. When? Just manifest. Hey, when? How long is a piece of string, man? You know, but that's cool too because I am enjoying where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a. Actually, if she she hears this, she probably won't because she doesn't watch any of my stuff. If she does hear this, if you hear this, massive acknowledgement to you for 10 years of adversity um, and the journey that we've been on together. It's been beautiful. It has. I say this to her all the time, but, yeah, publicly, I'm so grateful for her for putting up for me for seven years and then for leaving and then still for putting up for me for another three years and for still being here every day, you know, on the phone, on the FaceTime, I love you, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's cool, man. I'm grateful. Ah, that's beautiful, man. And I think that's a really beautiful way to, to finish off. So mm. um, thank you. You've been extremely generous with your time. I know you're at the at the back of Mackay, um, as you said, with a couple of days to go on, on the mine gig. Hey, good luck with, you know, resigning out of what you're doing there. Good luck with Impact Media. Um, look, if there's anything I've seen so far, mate, you're just going to, you're just going to be hugely successful at it. I'm really looking forward to just sitting back and watching your journey, um, mm. you know, and when you get to walk down that red carpet in Hollywood because you've got that success blockbuster film or whatever you've finally done, and, mate, uh, you'll deserve every 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 aspect of the accolades that come your way. So, I, again, beautiful man. I really appreciate your open your honesty, uh, the vulnerability you showed tonight, and, you know, I'm, I'm so glad we had a chance to hook up. So thank you. Thank you. We're actually working on a short film now, so yeah, that probably around March we'll be releasing that. So, man, that's going to be big. Beautiful. All right, there you go. You've heard it here. It's coming out in March. You heard it here, <laughs> so, right, so, so, so get on board on Impact Media and uh, jump on uh, Jay's website. Check it out. Um, I'm sure it'll be all launched through that, and you'll see him on all the on his social media. So. Yeah, Jay Godfrey on Instagram, um, same, same on Facebook and Impact Media as well on Instagram. So jump on, hook in and uh, catch up with a great man. So I'll, uh, I'll let you go now, man. So look, it's, it's been beautiful chatting again. I just want to say thank you very much for, for your time and your honesty and your openness. I really appreciate it. You're such a beautiful man. So thank you. Bro, that, that energy that there was there, that, that was amazing. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, man. Like, yeah, I – Felt so comfortable then, 100% safe. So thank you for providing that to me for us to, you know, share that with the world. That's that's what the world needs, man, eh? Connection. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. So thanks, man. I appreciate the feedback, and we'll definitely chat very soon. We'll definitely stay in contact. Cheers, man. Thanks. Thanks, brother. So, folks, what an amazing conversation with uh, Jay Godfrey from Impact Media. Um, honestly, he is such a beautiful man. So connect with him um, and just follow his journey. He's got a long way to go. So, effectively, that's it for me. Um, as I said, LinkedIn. Uh, you can get me on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for The Unearthed Man. So I'll uh, call that last of this episode. So thanks a lot. Uh, sending you much love and care, The Unearthed Man.